Well, this week is the second week of Advent, the theme of Advent. And so today, the movement that we'll be talking about is love. We're in the second week of four weeks where we're going to talk about the promise of the coming of Jesus. The Old Testament promise of Messiah that was fulfilled at the arrival of Jesus. And then the, the anticipation that we have as, as followers of Jesus Christ have for his second coming. Because we know he's coming back. I said he's coming back. And he's coming back to get us. I'm excited about that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me today in, in 1 John chapter 4. A very dear passage for me. I love the way that John writes. 1 John chapter 4. And why don't you just hold your spot there and take you on a little journey. It was four years ago today. Man, I tell you, something about these timelines that have been popping up lately where, you know, you know, four years ago today, five years ago today, two years ago today, God does significant things and we're able to celebrate those milestones. But for me, four years ago today, I had one of the most profound experiences of my life. I had intentionally carved out two hours of my work week, and at, at that time, I was really busy, extremely busy. I was going through seminary, and I had multiple tasks to take care of over at Raspberry, where I was a, the men's pastor. It was just an extremely busy season for me, and, and what I did was I intentionally carved out two hours of my day in the middle of the day, in the middle of my work week, to go and spend time alone with God. So what I did is I, I found what I would consider to be at that point the quietest, most comfortable place, public place that I can find. And I went there, the Stevens room in the, in the Lusack Library. How many of you been there? You can't even rattle a piece of paper in there, man. I mean, it's quiet. And so I, I went, and I, I, um, it was like probably 1, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I went, and I sat down. There was another woman sitting there. She had her computer out. And I turned my chair towards the window, and the sun was this radiant yellow, high, bright yellow sun. And I went there to, to practice this divine method of Scripture reading called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina simply means divine reading. It's, it's a method of meditation where you get into the Scripture, and you allow the Scripture to speak to you. And I'd gone to study this passage of Scripture. So I sat down, turned my chair to the window, put my Bose noise-canceling headsets on, looked over at the window, and then began to study this passage. And when I sat down, I was fully waiting and anticipating God to speak to me in a certain way in this passage of Scripture. But he didn't. He spoke to me in an entirely different way. And what happened in that moment, as God started to speak to me through this passage, something deep inside my spirit began to well up. Words of a love song came to my mind over and over again. Have you ever stopped to listen to the words of a love song? Have you ever stopped to listen to the music and the words 
of a love song, not just any old love song like they have today. These love songs today, man, garbage. I'm talking about a musical masterpiece where the words are meaningful and the, and the, the, the melody is meaningful, a musical masterpiece. You know, when I was coming up, there was this guy, he's still alive, Musical genius, multi-platinum, multi-hit albums for this guy, for generations. His name is Barry Manilow. Mm-hmm. I love me some Barry Manilow, man. Listen, when Barry sits down to write a love song, often what he does is amazing. He, he starts with just a single instrument and a single voice and a single page where he writes down and captures what it is he wants to sing about. And then as a song progresses, what happens is he starts to add more voices and, and more, more instruments. The song builds and builds and builds and then the rhythm changes and the, the tempo changes and, and the movement of the song changes song crescendos, and quite often what happens is you have, he's at this point now, it's a full-blown orchestra, and this thing is just this massive melody of outstanding artistry and skill and workmanship, musical masterpiece that moves you. The masterpiece always begins in the mind of the master artist. Before it's ever even put to paper, before it's ever even set to music, before one word is ever sung, the song begins in the mind of the master artist. And so today we're going to take a look. We're going to take a look at the greatest love story ever written. We're going to take a, a look at the greatest love song ever sung, set to the music of humanity and still being written by the master artist in today. See, God is the master artist. We are his instruments. The music and his unfathomable love for us is the song. We, his redeemed, are the masterpiece of the master artist. Now, as I stated earlier, every musical masterpiece has the beginning. The, a beginning. The artist starts often with a, a single instrument, a, a single page through which the song will begin. The love song of our father is no different. Starts off with a single instrument. And then the song of our father, his love song to us, involves four major movements. Key. The first movement is that the Father, our Father, moves towards us. Love requires sacrifice. Let's pick it up in verse 9 of chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Are you there? When you have a say amen. All right. You read with me. I'll be reading out the NIV today. I haven't done that in a while. I just love the way that it reads in this particular passage. Here's what John writes. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 
And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Love. Love is, love is God expressing his unconditional grace and mercy for humanity by sending his only begotten son to die, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Sin. Sin is a willful rebellion, willful rebellion and disobedience to God. Listen to how much God loves us. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, he says, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, in that while we were yet in willful rebellion and disobedience to God, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Love. God sends his son, the only one capable of becoming the atoning sacrifice for us, the only one capable to pay the redemptive price for our sins, his only begotten son. And through Jesus Christ, God invites us into his love song for us. Through Jesus Christ comes the message of the Father, his undying, unconditional, supernatural love for us comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a love that says, I'll take you just as you are. And I love different artists. And um, sometimes I believe the words of God breathe, and it doesn't even matter who the artist is. I really believe that it's all within the framework of the writer and the song to which it is sung. Well-known artist Billy Joel writes this song, and I really believe it speaks to the heart of God for us. He says, don't go changing to try to please me. You never let me down before. Don't imagine you're too familiar and I don't see you anymore. I see you. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly where you're at. I will not leave you in times of trouble. This I promise from the heart. I took the good times. I'll take the bad times. I'll take you just the way you are. You might be here today. You might wrestling with some kind of temptation or addiction. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe you're battling with depression or anxiety. Our Father says, I'll take you just as you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. You let me do the cleaning. If you've tried all your life to clean yourself up, how's that work for you? I will take you just the way that you are. That's my love for you. 
You see, Jesus Christ is the beginning of, of God's song of love to you and to me. And so let me ask you, are you familiar with this song? Have you sang this song? Can you? Does a song resonate in your spirit? Are you able to sing the song that only the angels, the angels cannot even sing? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Can you? Jesus says, come to me just as you are. And he invites us to join his song. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, there's nothing that you've ever done that would make God love you less. There's nothing that you can ever do that would cause God to love you more. God moves towards us. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Christianity is the only religion where deity moves towards humanity. God pursues us with this relentless, undying, everlasting love. He's knocking. He's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you right now. The question is, are you ready to make the move? See, there's four movements to the love of God. The first movement is that God moves towards us. The second move is that we have to move towards him. We surrender to his love. Look what John says in verse 15 of chapter 4. He says, if anyone acknowledges, that word acknowledges in the Greek is, is confesses that Jesus is the son of God. God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely. I love the way that the ESV says, we have come to know and believe the love of God, the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. No, no, listen, listen. Our God, our Father is love. He is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. How do we experience that love? We have to surrender to it. You and I must choose to surrender. God is actively pursuing us all the time. The question is, will I choose to respond to his love, to his grace, to his mercy? Will I move towards him just as he's moved towards me? See, his love is a free gift. It's a free gift, and all I have to do is surrender to it. You know why that's so hard? Because surrendering for us is a big deal, isn't it? The world we live in is so contrary to, to surrendering anything. And so for me to surrender means that I, on my own volition, by the act of my own will, choose to let go, choose to relinquish control of my own life to the control and the will of someone else. I lay it down. I surrender. The concept of, of surrender is foreign to the world that we live in. 
Because the world says never surrender. Never surrender a thing. Never give up. Never give ground. It also tells us there's no such thing as a free gift. No one rides for free. Everything costs something. But let me tell you something. God's greatest gift to us, his unconditional love for us, is free to us. And it's free to us. We don't have to pay anything because Jesus Christ paid it all. God gave up everything to show us and demonstrate for us his love. So it doesn't cost us anything, but it costs Jesus everything. So all that's required for us to receive this free gift that God has for us, family, is to surrender to it. And then the Bible tells us time and again that once we surrender, thank you, Key, once we surrender to God's love for us, we now become participants and partakers of his grace. And as we join in the Father's love song, his love for us begins to build and continues to build stronger and stronger. And it grows even stronger as we reach the third movement. The third movement is we move towards each other as we lovingly surrender to each other. Symphony of the Spirit. Verse 11. John writes, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. We have seen and testified. Symphony of the Spirit, one Spirit. You know, I want to bury a little song is I've been alive forever, and I wrote the very first song. I've not been alive forever, but I've been around for a while. And I've had the privilege on many occasions to lead some pretty powerful, spiritually rich worship experiences. One was at the Performing Arts Center where God gave me the great privilege of assembling a, a, a team of some of the finest musicians and vocalists that this city has to offer. And, and I remember the first couple rehearsals as we came together. I mean, we had a full-blown choir and worship leaders and, 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 and worship team and a full band. And, man, this thing, it was, oh, something to be around. But, but here's the thing. There's so many things that go on behind the scenes to make a special event like that special. And the, the average person doesn't know what takes place behind the scenes as, a, as the, the musicians are working hard to strike the right notes and be in rhythm and tempo and cadence with each other, not stepping on each other, especially if they're really good at what they do. It's amazing to be behind the scenes to watch these high pollutant, highly skilled and gifted singers working hard and meticulously to, to, to hone their parts so where they're not stepping on each other, getting frustrated behind the scenes, trying to make it right. 
so that when the final product is introduced, what you have is not a bunch of instruments on the stage and not a bunch of voices going here, there, and everywhere, but one melodious symphonic sound, one voice. John tells us that God has given us his spirit. Everyone say spirit. He didn't say spirits. His spirit, God has given us his spirit, one spirit. And just like what goes on behind the scenes winds up culminating in this wonderful, wonderful experience that many people don't know what's taking place behind the scenes. They just are privileged to the, to the unique experience that's happening out there. That's all they see. Just like that occurs for an event like at the pack as Christ followers. Same thing occurs in our life. God sees two things when he looks at us. He sees the finished product, our eternal salvation where we are secure eternally because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But here's what also he sees. He sees the hard, meticulous work that goes on behind the scenes. He sees that we're still a work in progress. He sees that we are a masterpiece in the making. And each time we live life together, each time we take advantage of the opportunities that we have to love each other, God adds another verse to the love song in our heart. And every time we extend God's love to one another, he fine-tunes us just a little more instruments in his hand. Listen to me, I'm so blessed by the stories that, that come out of this church family on a weekly basis. Stories where, where, where you all are, are loving each other through times of crisis, where people in our church are making hospital visits to the sick and caring for the injured and providing meals for families and ministering to the needs of the widows and the single moms and the disabled and the less fortunate Every week from this church body, I hear stories of random acts of love and kindness displayed to others through you. And I'm also thrilled to hear what God is doing in the hearts of church leaders in our city. I hear more and more about pastors who have a passion to see the church of God unite, to become one where churches from denominations, different denominations are serving side by side to see the gospel advanced in our community. And here's the point. If the love of God is truly in us, we all will be singing the same song. We'll all be singing the same song because it's the same spirit and we are instruments in the hand of the Father. We are God's love song. And the more we demonstrate his love for each other, the more the song builds, the more it grows. We are carriers of the spirit of God. Listen to what John said. He said, he has given us of his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us.
Yeah, that's a pretty good place to say amen. So God's love song continues to build to a crescendo that flows into the final movement. And that is that we move towards others. And the world becomes the stage. Look at what John says in verse 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. I mean, I love John. John's just straight to it, isn't he? If you say you love your brother and sister and you, and you don't, you're a liar. And you cannot say that the love of God is in you. This is what he says. For whoever does not love his brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God, cannot love God who they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. And so here's how I put it. If the, love abide, if the love of God abides in you, you cannot abide in hatred towards your brother. If God is indeed love, and he is, everybody say he is. If God is indeed love and the love of God dwells in us, darkness and night cannot exist in the same temple. So if the love of God abides in us, then we cannot abide in hatred towards our brothers and our sisters. Come on, somebody. You can't. So it begs the question, who is my brother? Lee, you can bring a team up. It's all of humanity. But specifically, our brothers and our sisters are, are those that God has called us to within our realm of influence within our sphere of influence. I love what verse 18 says here, verse 18b. It says, listen, it says, we in this world are to be like Jesus. We are like Jesus in this world. In this world, we're supposed to be the expression of God's love to men and women who otherwise will never be able to see it because no person can lay eyes on God. But listen, they can see God through us. And that's what God has called us to. We are called to the world around us. Listen to me now. With the same love that God has loved us, we are to love each other. Let me go back to that passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where Paul says, But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were in rebellion and disobedience to God, rebellion and disobedience Jesus Christ, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And if we are to love with the love of God the same way that he loved us, then who is it in your life that you're at odds with? That God is speaking to you right now and tells you, he's telling you, get that. I don't care how strong the hatred, the love of God is greater. Who is it right now that you've got an image in your mind and in your heart that God is speaking to you, telling you, 
You need to reconcile with that brother or that sister. I know there are some of you in here right now that, that are probably at odds with even a family member, but the love of God begins in the family first and then spreads abroad. Who's God speaking to you right now about where he's saying, man, don't leave today without making that right? Oh, how he loves us. I want to close today by ending where I started in the beginning with that story where I sat down and turned my, my chair to the window and put my Bose noise-canceling headsets. Glory to God for some noise-canceling headsets. Those things are awesome. Shut out the world, man. I'm sitting there. The sun is high in the air, man. And, and, and the sky is just radiant yellow. And I, and I'm, I got this passage in John that I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on. And then all of a sudden, I open my eyes. The sun is no longer this bright yellow. It's a deep orange hue that's resting on the horizon just right above the mountains. And I had fallen asleep. And the only words that were resonating in my spirit at the time were the words of a love song that says, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measures. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. And when I woke up, I had to do some soul searching on my own. See, I'd been trying to run out of Alaska. I've been trying to get out of Alaska for many, many years. I was born here. I was ready to go. And on that day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I need you to be here. You stay here. I've got a work for you to do right here. And so I had to surrender my will to his. I had to rest in his love, knowing that if I do, I will be simply an instrument in the hand of the master to be used, a hand that will continue to perpetuate this song of love that he wants all of us to be a demonstration of. Father, I pray that as we As we surrender to your love for us, take us deeper. Take us deeper into your love. Help us to rest and abide in you. Oh, how deep your love for us. How vast beyond all measure. I don't want to take anything for granted or nothing by for chance, and so... Lee and team are going to sing this last song. And before we close, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here and you've never embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, today, today is your day. 
today. Don't delay. He loves us. He loves you.